It's horrific. I've never seen anything like this. A close-up look at the container ship cleanup still underway on Vancouver Island. Plus... It's a huge system. There's between 100,000 and 150,000 claims a year. Where the province is placing blame after being called out for inaction on the two-year anniversary of WorkSafe BC report recommendations. And... It's a great indicator that it is safe. As Pfizer for Children gets the green light in the U.S., B.C. parents are being urged to register their kids for the shot. You're watching Global B.C. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. People who live on the remote northwest coast of Vancouver Island are calling it a disaster that will take months to clean up. Debris from the more than 100 containers that fell from a ship last Friday now litter parts of the coastline. Our Paul Johnson has the latest from near Port Hardy. Stunning and remote. Cape Scott Park's San Joseph Bay is one of the countless hidden jewels on the north coast. Now take a look at the string of styrofoam debris that marked the high water line Saturday. It's horrific. I've never seen anything like this. Jill Laviolette lives on the north coast and has volunteered for beach cleanups for years. We found her Saturday near Cape Palmerston. She says this dwarfs even the tsunami debris that's washed up before. Something of this nature, you want to get on it right away. You don't want styrofoam to smash into even more little pieces. An organized cleanup was starting to take shape Saturday. A contracted team was starting to deal with the dozens of refrigerators. And sources familiar with the operation said in the coming days, removal by land and chopper was in the works as well as closer study of the ship's manifests to better understand what they're dealing with. So as we try to understand the scope of this, one thing to keep in mind is the images that we've been able to gather are from places we can get to. And most of the coastline up here is inaccessible, so we don't know what's happening there. Another question is how much debris is still out in the ocean and yet to wash ashore. Other unknowns include the long-term ecological damage. Conservationists have already pointed out that many seabirds are often attracted to bright-colored bits of plastic, mistaking them for food. While Canadians enjoy the benefits of a global shipping system that usually functions without mishap, this mess is a stark reminder of what a single accident can do. It's unfathomable, you know, like it's just such a massive amount of trash that's going to be everywhere. At Cape Scott Park, Paul Johnson, Global News. A rescue operation is underway for a ship that's become disabled off Haida Gwaii. The Norwegian registered tanker Champion Concept experienced engine trouble on Tuesday and began drifting 260 nautical miles west of Langara Island. The Canadian Coast Guard's emergency tow vessel, Atlantic Eagle, was dispatched to assist and ensure the safety of the crew. The ship was carrying canola oil on a voyage from Vancouver to China. There are 20 people on board. A commercial salvage tug from the U.S. will now tow the Champion Concept to Portland for repairs. Well, it was exactly two years ago today that a report was issued on changes to WorkSafe BC, and the report's author says just a handful of the more than 100 recommendations have been acted on. As Julia Foy reports, the province is blaming the pandemic. 
Owen Goodwin will never forget the day at work when he was hit in the face by a large metal hook. Three facial fractures in the orbital bone, broken sinus, hearing loss, uh, mild traumatic brain injury, post-concussive syndrome. Goodwin says at first WorkSafe BC offered help, but then... I was told to go back to work or I would be cut off my benefits, even though my own doctor recommended that I not return to work. The tragic Kelowna crane collapse killed five workers, but there were others who survived and joined thousands of workers injured on job sites around BC. It's a huge system. There's between 100,000 and 150,000 claims a year. October 30th marks the second anniversary of a report completed by Patterson, which recommends sweeping changes to WCB's treatment of injured workers. It's more about how the system operates and whether it goes on a cookie cutter model where everybody is treated almost on a conveyor belt and in an impersonal manner versus being treated as an individual. Out of 100 recommendations, Patterson claims only three have been acted on. Profound difference is the employer thinks the system works just great. It's not only very flawed, but it is, in parts it's actually broken. The Community Legal Assistance Society agrees. To make return to work safer and uh, to put the worker at the center of that process and to put uh, the, the medical opinions from the workers' own doctors at the center of the process. And that's what we would like to see implemented. The Minister of Labour says COVID has been the focus for 18 months, but there have been changes. Fast track the... Uh uh, treatment for, for workers uh, in cases where the early treatment will, will help stop uh, deterioration of, uh, of the worker's health and also giving uh, more tools to uh, work safe to do a better investigation by way of having uh, search and seizure powers. Goodwin says he fought WorkSafe BC to get the mental health counseling he needed to get back to work. When an injured worker doesn't know what the future holds for them, they need to be treated with care, compassion, and respect. Julia Foy, Global News. Kelowna RCMP are investigating the discovery of a woman's body in a vehicle. Police were called to the scene near Orchard Park Shopping Centre just after 6 p.m. on Friday. Mounties say her death appears to be suspicious. The Kelowna RCMP Serious Crime Unit has taken conduct of the investigation. No arrests have been made and police are asking anyone who has information to contact them. A BC man will serve just under two years in jail for killing a mother of four in a crash near Hope four years ago. 42-year-old Anthony Creed Cortez was sentenced Friday to 23 months in jail, two years probation and a 10-year firearms ban. Cortez had pleaded guilty to dangerous driving causing death and motor vehicle theft. 35-year-old Danielle Charlton died in September of 2017 when the SUV she was a passenger in collided with a maintenance truck on Highway 3, about 10 kilometers east of Hope. Cortez fled the scene in a truck stolen from a good Samaritan who'd stopped to help. A Port Alberni man has been sentenced to six years in prison for abusing sex trade workers. 42-year-old Stephen Bradley Ewing is also subject to a mandatory lifetime firearms ban and a DNA order for six sex crimes in Nanaimo and Parksville in 2018 and 2019. Ewing pleaded guilty to three counts of sexual assault causing bodily harm, two counts of sexual assault, and one count of attempting to choke someone to render them unconscious. He will face 15 years of sex offender restrictions 
once he's released from custody. BC's health minister is encouraging parents to get their children registered on the province's Get Vaccinated website as one of three major COVID vaccines inches towards approval in Canada. As Kristen Robinson reports, the move comes after the U.S. greenlit the Pfizer shot for kids 5 to 11. And you're just going to keep your arm relaxed. With 85% of eligible British Columbians 12 and older now fully vaccinated, the province is getting ready to roll out first-dose immunization clinics for kids. I encourage uh, parents to get their children uh, registered on the system uh, so that uh, they'll be on the system and ready to go when the uh, vaccine becomes available. On Friday, the U.S. FDA granted emergency authorization for the use of Pfizer's vaccine in children aged 5 to 11. It's a great indicator that um, it is safe. Family physician Barinder Narang says parents can trust the U.S. agency's track record on vaccine safety. I have no reason, based on my training, to believe uh, uh, to think that a vaccine would be more unsafe in the 5 to 11 population compared to a 12 to 17 population. You know, we know that vaccines have historically been very safe for children. In Canada, Pfizer's COVID shot is currently only approved for children 12 and up as Health Canada reviews the company's pediatric vaccine application. When we're, we're making decisions, especially about our most vulnerable, um, precious commodity, our, our children, is that people want to make sure that we have confidence in the review and the submission and that we have that information available so people can weigh those risks and benefits. That's uh, critically important that they, uh, they go through methodically through their process, but uh, we're, we're, we're getting ready to go. Kids under 12 account for half of BC's remaining unvaccinated. Pfizer's pediatric vaccine packs one-third of the punch of the adult dosage, and in the U.S. it will be given in two doses three weeks apart. Canadian approval could come as early as mid-November. Kristen Robinson, Global News. New federal vaccine mandate measures are now in effect for travelers 12 years or older. Starting today, anyone planning to board a plane, train or cruise ship in Canada for travel will need to provide proof they've been fully vaccinated against COVID-19. There will be a grace period for anyone who started the vaccination process. Until November 29th, they can show proof of a COVID-19 molecular test. But after that date, anybody unvaccinated against COVID-19 will not be eligible to travel except for some limited exemptions. I think change is challenging and I think everybody is going through that. But we're also all getting used to it. I know for myself, I traveled uh, just a, a few weeks ago to Europe and I showed my vaccine passport at different places. It was well accepted. I got used to having to have it ready and pull it out and demonstrate that I had that. B.C. residents will also need to apply for a new travel passport because B.C.'s vaccine card is not linked to the federal one. You can apply via the B.C. Health Gateway website with your personal health number. And a warning this weekend for anybody heading into the backcountry, conditions are changing. With the sunny weather drawing many people in Metro Vancouver into the outdoors, North Shore Rescue says it's important to remember it is getting darker earlier, so make sure you have a fully charged headlamp and allow enough time to complete your hike. It's also getting colder, meaning while t-shirts and a light jacket may be okay in the city, there are icy conditions at higher elevations. And what that really means is bringing extra layers of clothing, making sure that you have adequate footwear, 
as in proper hiking boots, micro spikes. If you're going into more remote areas or more steep terrain, having a crampon and ice axes with you is, uh, is gonna be key. North Shore Rescue has already smashed last year's record for the number of call-outs it's had. And North Shore Rescue has been called out to assist an injured mountain biker on Cypress Mountain. The man had to be long-lined out after a bad crash earlier this afternoon. He had gone over his handlebars and suffered an upper back injury while cycling down the trails in the Cypress Creek area. His group was well prepared though and did manage to call 911. So we had a, uh, a ground response going up from the bottom uh, and we also got our uh, uh, HETS team, our long line team here at uh, Capilano Reservoir and uh, we're able to fly in, find them, put a crew in with our uh, long line and then long line the subject out after we packaged him up. And members of North Shore Rescue then hiked in to recover the injured man's mountain bike. There's an update on a missing persons case on Vancouver Island. Saanich police say 70-year-old Jean-Michel Cabin rented a motorhome and has not been heard from for 15 days. Officers say they've now located that motorhome at China Beach, but Cabin's still remains missing. Investigators believe the motorhome was parked there for at least a week. He is six foot two with gray hair. Well, the days may be numbered for what was once one of Metro Vancouver's premier recreation facilities. The Canada Games Pool in New Westminster is being closed for at least the next few months to deal with a leak in the main pool tank that's caused flooding in a mechanical room. All swimming and fitness activities have been cancelled until further notice. It was a world-class facility when it first opened in 1973 as New West hosted the Canada Summer Games. But with a new pool and recreation facility being built next door, the cost of repairs may not be worth it. This is obviously an important situation and one that uh, we are uh, quite concerned about. Uh, we do want to reassure the public that uh, we are applying the city's full resources to addressing the issue. Uh, it's still very early in our investigation and so we don't have complete answers in terms of what the future will look like. Work is well underway for a new aquatic and community centre at the site. The current Canada Games Pool has about 1,500 visitors a day or 355,000 per year. And still ahead, it is being called a step backwards in reconciliation efforts. Enough is enough. Just get on with it. Pay what is right. How Indigenous leaders are reacting to Ottawa's appeal of a court order to compensate children. Plus... Help. Uh, Sudanese people to transition into civilian-led government. The message from protesters in Vancouver against the military coup in Sudan. BC Indigenous leaders say the federal government's decision to continue an appeal on a ruling ordering Ottawa to compensate children removed from their homes is a step backwards in reconciliation. The feds say they'll pause litigation for two months to try and negotiate a settlement, but First Nations groups say they're just prolonging the process of delivering on their promises. And a warning, some viewers may find the contents of this story distressing. We will do everything in our power to keep her safe. The same day a northern BC First Nation applauded a judge's decision to rule in favour of these Indigenous leaders who stood together to stop a social worker from taking away a six-year-old girl, 
the federal government filed an appeal against court-ordered compensation of about $2 billion to an estimated 54,000 First Nations children and their families. It was a double blow, but was it surprising to us as First Nations people? No, it's not. Taking the child out of province, taking the child away from her community and her biological parent and the extended family, it is no different. Uh, in regards to what happened in the residential school system. During a national reckoning over the deaths of children in residential schools that operated up until 1996, non-Indigenous Canadians, to reflect on the country we live in. And as the Prime Minister urges Canadians to stand with survivors, Ottawa's decision to continue the now 15-year battle against a ruling to compensate children removed from their homes is a step backwards, says Mary Teejee. Reconciliation is never having to say sorry twice. And you think about, you know, a couple of weeks ago when Trudeau was saying, oh, I'm really sorry, you know, went to Tofino instead of being at the first National Day for Truth and Reconciliation. He said sorry many, many times. Talks are set to begin Monday between Indigenous leaders and the federal government. If a settlement isn't reached, they'll be back in court. But when you have a system and a bureaucracy that is so embedded in colonial mindset, it's going to take a lot to shift. So um, I think that there will be change, but it's not going to be coming because they want to, it's because they're forced to. And that's why we keep going back to court. We will continue to protect our children in our communities. Until the government steps up, Indigenous leaders say they'll continue stepping in to protect their children. Now, we understand these stories may be triggering for our viewers. If you or someone you know needs support, you can call the number on your screen, 1-866-925-4419. The crisis line operates 24 hours a day. More than 100 people rallying today in Vancouver against the military junta in Sudan. Stop genocide in Sudan. The group staging a protest at the Vancouver Art Gallery. They want the Canadian government to help stop the coup in their homeland. The Sudanese military arrested the Prime Minister and seized power on Monday. The protests here coinciding with massive protests in Sudan. In Khartoum, security forces shot and killed at least three people as hundreds of thousands took to the streets to demand civilian government. Now it is enough. The generals and the military people should go to their barricades and allow uh, civilians to uh, organize and uh, to try to rebuild the country. But we have not given this opportunity. There are 1,200 Sudanese people in B.C. as of the 2016 census, and just under 1,000 of them are in Metro Vancouver. Vancouver police are getting ready for this Halloween weekend, and they are expecting to be busy. Many downtown bars and restaurants will see more customers because of lifted restrictions on capacity limits. Police say they're preparing for big crowds with extra officers on the street. They're also encouraging people to leave fake costume weaponry at home. As well, the hope is there will not be a repeat of last year when people partied on Granville Street because the establishments were forced to close early. When you bring a bunch of people down to an area and then put them out on the street at the same time, uh, I don't think um, anyone who just thought it through should have assumed people would have just dispersed. We ask that everyone adheres to the provincial health orders, of course, um, wear your masks and all that. So, yeah, we encourage people to come to the city, enjoy the city, enjoy the, the services of the city responsibly and, and plan a safe ride home. 
Police say they've arrested five people in connection to disruptive protests in Vancouver. Members of Extinction Rebellion blocked the intersection of Burrard and Pacific Street on Friday night. Vancouver police say a group of people locked themselves in a device and firefighters had to cut them out. Three men and two women were taken to jail after refusing to leave despite multiple requests. Traffic was halted for several hours in the downtown core and all roads have since reopened. And coming up, Canada's COVID vaccine donation announced at the G20 summit. How many doses will go to developing countries? And the wild weather that's delayed a Halloween space launch. Manitoba has a new premier tonight, and for the first time, it's a woman. Well, hello, Manitoba. Welcome to the new PC party of Manitoba. Former Health Minister Heather Stephenson was victorious in her party's leadership vote. She beat out another woman, former MP Shelley Glover, by fewer than 400 votes. The leadership race was called after Brian Pallister stepped aside in the summer. The next Manitoba provincial election is slated for October of 2023. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau says Canada will donate 10 million more doses of a COVID-19 vaccine to help developing countries. Trudeau announcing that donation at the G20 summit in Rome. He says doses of Moderna's COVID-19 vaccine will be sent to a COVAX vaccine-sharing facility in Africa. The Prime Minister promises that Canada will also increase financial support to COVAX and buy another 63 million doses along with $15 million to help make mRNA vaccines in Africa. So far, Canada has only distributed $3.4 million, and it has promised to deliver 200 million doses. We have made a number of, of different and specific commitments when it comes to the global fight against the pandemic. The 200 million dose commitment, which includes, as I said, announced today, 10 million doses directly from Moderna that will come soon. Uh, it includes the 15 million for building the facility in South Africa. Yeah. It includes an additional 70 million to facilitate vaccine distribution around the world. That sort of final last step, which can be complicated. The European Medicines Agency says there is not enough data to prove a link between COVID-19 vaccines and multi-system inflammatory syndrome. The agency's Risk Assessment Committee has concluded there is insufficient evidence to demonstrate a link between the two. MIS is a rare and serious inflammatory condition that affects several parts of the body at the same time. Symptoms can include persistent high fever, vomiting and chest pains, among others. The committee, however, encourages physicians to continue to report any cases of miss in patients that have received COVID-19 vaccines. SpaceX and NASA have postponed their Halloween launch date. The decision was made as a safety precaution due to an intense storm moving into Ohio Valley this weekend. Three NASA astronauts and one astronaut from Europe are now set to take off into space on November 3rd. That's where they will join a crew on the International Space Station. Forecasters say there is an 80% chance conditions will be clear to take off at 1.10 Wednesday morning. And coming up, fast-tracking development. As air travel remains slow during the pandemic, how Kelowna is expediting plans for an airport hotel.
You're watching Global News Hour at 6. Well, even while the pandemic has disrupted air travel around the world, a new high-end hotel is being fast-tracked for the Kelowna Airport. Global's Darian Matassa-Fung has more. The city of Kelowna has made some changes to its 10-year capital plan. The city, along with the Kelowna International Airport, has pushed forward plans of bringing a new hotel and parkade to the airport. I think, you know, if you look at, uh, for example, you know, the top eight airports in the country, uh, you have a, um, a high-end hotel uh, that's attached as part of the facility. And so, you know, you know, part of our plans look at expanding the terminal building itself, uh, but also attaching um, a hotel. While COVID-19 has negatively impacted the airport in many different ways, YLW is saying the pandemic is giving them a unique opportunity to get this development done. What we're looking for is about a 200-bed hotel. Uh, with a parkade that will have about a thousand uh, parking stalls attached to it. So while we're building that facility, we'll actually lose a lot of parking. And we felt it, be, it was prudent uh, to go on the street now to get proposals to build that parkade and hotel uh, uh, sooner rather than later. The hotel and parkade are being considered to replace the parking lots neighboring the airport. Looking ahead, the airport says it's still very early in the process, but expects proposals to begin to roll in shortly. The hotel and parkade are now envisioned to be finished by 2023, much earlier than the 2027 date previously made. Kelowna City Council will be discussing the changes to its 10-year capital plan at its next council meeting. Darian Matassafung, Global News. Why the salmon return in Surrey is off to such a good start this season. That's just ahead, but first let's bring in meteorologist Yvonne Shell for a look at the forecast. And Yvonne, a lot of soon-to-be ghouls and goblins <laughs> keeping a close eye on this one. Yeah, it's been a great start to the weekend. Dry conditions, plenty of sunshine, and we do have your Halloween forecast coming up in just a moment. But it's great news. You will need to bundle up, however. Temperatures right now, we're sitting at 7. We've got a northwesterly wind at 7 kilome 17 kilometers per hour. A few other spots across the province at this hour at the freezing mark for the Central interior, Kelowna currently sitting at four and areas near Whistler with your current temperature at five. Now we've got this ridge of high pressure. That's what's in place and that'll take us in towards tomorrow. Continuing to see dry conditions, but many areas across the province overnight with the clear skies and the calm winds, we are going to see some fog and then it'll dissipate once again. Great news, however, for the Northern Lights forecast. So you have the opportunity to catch the, bor uh, the bor Bora Arealis. I'm sorry, I don't know why that's not rolling off the tip of my tongue right now. So I'll stay with the northern lights, but we could potentially see them. Higher elevations away from the city lights will give you that opportunity. Anywhere between three or four hours around midnight is when you can potentially catch them. So check them out. We've got a great chance to see them. Now, here's a fast forward as we get in towards our Monday. That'll be the next weather maker, but we've got a dry start to back to work and school in the day. And if you're trick-or-treating, we've got dry conditions for tomorrow. Now, the northern half of the province along the coast, temperatures will be sitting at 10, plenty of sunshine. The morning in the interior We'll see some fog patches that'll dissipate through the day. A chilly one, however, across the central interior with temperatures just getting above the freezing mark. We've got fog in the morning hours for the southern half of the province dissipating, sunny and dry through the afternoon. 
temperatures will climb up closer to four degrees. Now through the day and the start of our Sunday, we've got that fog, sunshine for the afternoon. Temperatures by the afternoon will be up to nine and across the southern half for Victoria, closer to 12. Trick-or-treat forecast, this is for Metro Vancouver. So it's dry, clear, just bundle up. Temperatures will have that range between seven and nine during the trick-or-treating hours. And then overnight, we're dipping down to two or three degrees. So it's going to be cool once again uh, if you are planning on heading out. Now for tomorrow, highs up to nine with that fog. Monday, it'll be a dry start. As we get in towards Monday night, we've got that next round of rain that is going to push in a bit unsettled in towards next week, but great for the trick-or-treaters tomorrow. Neetu? Love to hear it. Thanks, Yvonne. It's proving to be a very good year so far for coho salmon at South Surrey's Little Campbell River Hatchery. Nice fish. That's a coho, another coho, and that's a wild one. See, it's got the apple fit on the back here. Thanks to the September rain, volunteers say they've already counted more than half of an entire season's average run, and the bulk of the fish are still to come. The fish are caught in this fence as they swim upstream to spawn and directed into a trap where volunteers net and count them. The salmon are then released upstream to continue their spawning journey. Although coho are booming, Chinook are having an average year while it's too early to make the call on chum. The coho run is currently running above average for this time of year. The peak month for coho is November, and so we're already two-thirds of our average, and we're not even into November. So it's going to be a good year for coho. We figured with a rain warning that it would be a perfect day to come to the hatchery. The high water levels, and sure enough, we were right. We're jumping like crazy. Pretty fun experience, isn't it? Oh, it's awesome. Yeah, the kids love it. This is... We've probably come like seven times in the last couple of weeks. The kids can name all the fish now. Do you want to try and tell them what all the names of the fish are? Chum, Chum, Oh, so sweet. Volunteers say the day after a heavy rainfall is the best time to view the spawning salmon. Well, their timing was perfect then. <laughs> All right, Barry's here for a preview of what is coming up in sports. Barry? Yeah, always exciting Saturday night when uh, the Oilers come to town. Connor McDavid, the Canucks still haven't won at home yet in front of their adoring fans, 0 for 2. So we'll tee that game up for you. And the Lions bounced back so well after losing badly last week in Winnipeg. They should have won today in Toronto, but they missed three field goals in the last quarter and lose. So highlights and reaction to that coming up. All right, lots to look forward to. Thanks for that, Barry. Also ahead, we go behind the scenes. We usually have an actor come in and then we cast their arm, which, which is the hardest part. A closer look at the art of special effects makeup in film and television. Great effects can make or break a movie, especially for the horror and thriller genres. Global's Mike Arsenault went to an Ontario-based special effects house with some major Hollywood ties to see how it's done. We do special makeup effects. We specialize in prosthetics, human replicas. Our big thing is probably casualty makeup. You know, someone gets a cut somewhere on their face or, you know, some gruesome stuff, exploding heads. Like, we do a lot of that kind of stuff. With a credit list that includes over 200 film and TV projects, there's a good chance you've seen the Butcher Shop Effects Studios work. What is something that you've created that you're particularly proud of? Well, this guy behind us, I'm pretty uh, proud of this guy. This guy's cool. This is a fish monster we created for a film called Ozaguan. Concept, that's usually the funnest part is when you can start, concepts, modify, completed form. You know, instead of someone just handing you a paper saying, make me this. 
Carlos Henriks, co-owner of the butcher shop, says that realism is the goal of their studio and creating realistic effects takes time. We usually have an actor come in and then we cast their arm, which, which is the hardest part. We just cast their arm and then we run it out of a silicone. Uh, it could take about two, three days where something like this would take about six to eight weeks. The arms, the legs, uh, the shin pieces, they're all separate pieces. You kind of just slip them on just like you would hockey equipment. The Butcher Shop team has seen great advances in camera and screen technology since its founding over 20 years ago. Does that make your job harder that we're now in high definition 4K, 8K, and also the advent of streaming, people at home can stop, pause, rewind, and really go over your work with a fine tooth comb. We use the best stuff on the planet because we can't have a seam. If someone's wearing a prosthetic, that has to be blended off perfectly onto the skin. We can't have it look like a mask. The stuff we use is silicone, which blends off and is translucent just like human skin is. It's Halloween weekend. If someone watching right now really wants to go all out and have something like this for their costume, what would this run someone if they wanted you to create that for them? I can't give an exact number, but a suit like this definitely goes into 10, $30,000 range. If you don't have $30,000 to spend on your costume this year, what are some easy tips that people can use at home to create the best makeup, the best effects possible for their own Halloween costumes? Creativity is probably number one. I would stay away from the popular things that you see. Like, you know, there's always like a Freddy or a Jason or a witch. Try to get a little bit creative. Like, what, what do you not really see out there? Carlos, I really enjoy what you do here at the butcher shop and you've succeeded in turning someone who does not like horror movies, scary movies whatsoever. I feel comfortable here. Uh, it's amazing what you guys do and thanks again. It's a pleasure. Thank you so very much and happy Halloween. Still ahead, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's a bike. We'll have a look at the debut of the world's first flying bike coming up later on the NewsHour. Nominations are open for next year's Courage to Comeback Awards. Help Coast Mental Health pay tribute to those who have overcome overwhelming challenges and who now contribute significantly to the community. Do you know someone who has overcome adversity? Nominate them today. Global BC is proud to support Lumiere Vancouver, an annual family-friendly public event inspired by light and artistic expression. See interactive art installations that add dazzle and wonder to English Bay, Jim Diva Plaza, downtown Vancouver, and Granville Island. For Our BC, I'm Michael Newman. If you wanna know, it's on the hub. If you wanna show, it's on the hub. If you wanna go, it's on the Global BC Community Hub. Navigate your now. And Barry's back with a full look at sports. And Barry, what is going on with the Lions? Mm, that is a good question. <laughs> I think they're trying to figure it out too, but uh, time is running out fast. Thanks, Neithu. The uh, Lions hope they hit rock bottom last week in Winnipeg where they were shelled 45-0 for their fourth straight loss. But there is uh, still time to right the ship. They likely need to win three of their last four to get into the playoffs. And today in Toronto, the Lions took on the first place Argos, looking to get their confidence back after some humbling defeats the past few weeks. It didn't start well for Mike, uh, Michael Riley through an interception that led to another Toronto field goal. Then next possession, McLeod Bethel Thompson, a quarterback, fires the 21-yard touchdown pass to Devaris Daniels. 10-0 Argos just like that. The Lions really need a break. Something to change the luck, and they get one on this long bong by Riley to uh, Shaq Johnson, who knocks the ball up in the air with his hand, and as he's falling, the ball just falls into his lap for a 53-yard gain. That's exactly what they needed, and they turn that great play into points. Riley into the end zone for Brian Burnham, and he does 
what he always does. He makes a tough catch look routine. Touchdown Burnham and the Lions, they make it 10 to 7. And then in the second quarter, Riley going deep again. That was obviously the game plan. They were throwing it deep all game long. This time, Dominique Rimes hauls it in. His first TD is a Lion and celebrates with a little Halloween zombie action. BC took the lead 14-10. Third quarter now, 2014 Argos. Lions offense was stalling out, but the D steps up. Bola Combo knocks it down, and Obum Guachim picks it off and rumbles 33 yards for the touchdown. The pick six, and the Lions are back out front. 21-20, jump to the final minute. Kicker Jimmy Camacho has been pretty good this year. He has a chance to give the Lions the lead, but his kick is blocked. And Argos get the ball, and it looks like the Lions are done. But they did get the ball back, and they actually got it back into field goal position. And this is for the win. Redemption time for Camacho, but he's wide right again. But at least it had enough to get through for a single. So we go to overtime. Argos got a TD in their first OT possession thanks to a pass interference call in the end zone. So the Lions have to answer, and they do. Riley to Jacob Scarfone breaks a tackle, takes it in for the touchdown. 31-29. Lions have to get the two-pointer to keep overtime going. But Riley's pass to Shaq Johnson. Oh, there's a little miscommunication. Not close. And the Lions lose a heartbreaker. 31-29. Fifth straight loss. They're now 4-7, and seven, and the playoffs are in jeopardy. I want these guys to retain their spirit and their competitiveness. And that looked more, that was more of the team I've known most of this season. Um, had a good spirit about them. Okay, like I said, competitive of all that stuff. The name of the game is to win. But if we play that style of game, we're capable of winning our fair share of games. We're not eliminated. We still control everything. Uh, it's in our hands. But uh, these next three weeks, when we get chances, we've got to make all of them. Also tonight, Rough Riders and Alouettes. Late first half, Riders get the game's first touchdown. William Powell runs it in from three yards out. It's been a defensive struggle. 16-7 to is the update right now. Saskatchewan in the fourth. The Canucks are 0 for 2 so far on home ice, losing one goal decisions to Minnesota and Philadelphia. The offense will have to get out of neutral if they want to avoid a third straight loss with the Oilers coming in tonight. Holding McDavid and company under three goals is a tough task, but that's what they'll need to do to get a win tonight. When you're playing Edmonton, every team in the league talks about uh, making sure you're defending well, especially against the uh, McDavid and Dreisaitl, and, and yet those guys are going to find ways to get scoring chances. That's You're not going to shut them down completely, and, and uh, whenever you can make another team defend, um, it, it's it, sometimes that's the best way of shutting down a team. NHL Commissioner Gary Bettman spoke with Kyle Beach for about 20 minutes today, promising Beach that the league will provide counseling services for Kyle and his family for as long as needed. Beach also spoke with NHLPA Executive Director Don Fear in a separate video call. No doubt Beach has been let down by all parties, and let's hope the Blackhawks and the league will do the right thing and not drag the litigation portion and give this young man the compensation and respect he deserves. Panthers and Bruins, Florida a perfect 8-0 out of the gate, lead the NHL. Second period, they were down a goal, but Anthony Duclair, that's a nice solo effort. Boy, they have a lot of offensive weapons in Florida. They lead the 
NHL with 35 goals, 1-1 after two. And then in the third, they take the lead on the power play. Alexander Barkov, he is an underrated superstar. That's a power play goal, his fifth. And it's 2-1 for the Panthers, but the Bruins answer on the power play. Brad Marchand to Charlie McAvoy to tie it. And that's where they stand right now, 2-2 in a shootout as the Panthers look for the win to go to 9-0. Also tonight, Red Wings and Leafs from Toronto. Detroit off to a pretty good start, 4-2-2, but it's the Leafs who get on the board with this late goal from Jake Muzzin. That made it 1-0 Toronto, and then in the final minute of the second, they get another one. Jason Spezza with the slap pass tipped in by Michael Bunting. And there was a lot of goals in the third, but the Leafs hang on for the one-goal win, 5-4. to four. Quite a day for Canada's Taylor Pendrith in the third round of the Bermuda Championship. Pendrith had the 36-hole lead for the first time in his young PGA Tour career, and he stretched that lead thanks to a fantastic back nine. Great tee shot on the 235-yard beast of a par three. Six feet away, made the birdie, and then at the 16th, another par three. No one nor they just had a very few birdies. I think this was the only birdie of the day at 16, or one of the few. Increases his lead to three shots. And then at 17, after bombing his drive, he really is one of the longest hitters on tour. He would get this to about 12 feet and would two-putt that for an birdie. Six under 65 today, 17 under, a three-shot lead for Pendrith as he goes for that first tour win. Adam Svensson of Surrey tied 10th at minus 9. Adam Hadwin 37th at minus 5. NBA tonight, Raptors at the Indiana Pacers. Toronto's won two straight. First quarter, Freddie Van Vliet to the basket, lays it in, draws the foul. Raptors up one. One of their new players this year, the Ukraine's Svi Mihailuk. Look at the behind-the-back dribble, throws it down. 11 off the bench at that point. 47-46 Pacers at the half. Third quarter, wraps with the offensive rebound, and it's Kem Birch with the lay-in and one. He's one of three Canadians on the squad, and the Canadians have been great for energy. It looks like Toronto's going to win again. They're up late in the fourth, 94-86. Game four of the World Series from Atlanta. Braves won 2-0 in game three last night. But tonight it's the Astros who have got the 2-0 lead thanks to Jose Altuve who goes deep in the fourth with his solo shot to center. 2-0 right now, Houston in the fifth. Some soccer action, Premier League 19th place, Newcastle hosting, first place Chelsea. It was scoreless at the half, but then Chelsea put the hammer down, namely Reese James as he thumps that one into the back of the old onion bag. It's 1-0 Chelsea, and then in the 77th, Hudson Odoi with the cracker, ricochets right to James, who knocks in his second, and Chelsea take it 3-0. They're eight wins, one loss, one draw to remain top of the table. Meanwhile, Sadio Mane and Liverpool at home to Brighton. Liverpool unbeaten in 24 straight league matches. Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, perfect service to Mane. Power heads at home, Liverpool up 2-0, but credit Brighton. It is rare to rescue a point after being down 2-0 at Anfield, but Leandro Trossard with the equalizer 2-2 the final. First time in 11 matches that Mo Salah has not scored for Liverpool. And Man United looking to bust out of a slump. Three losses and a draw in their last four Premiership games. But Cristiano Ronaldo gives them the lead versus Spurs. A fantastic volley inside the far post. Bruno Fernandes with the service there. 1-0 at half. And then in the second half, Ronaldo with the perfect pass. And it's Edinson Cavani who will make it 2-0. They add another. United route Spurs 3-0. They move up to fifth. Man City was upset 2-0 by Crystal Palace today. But it's uh, Oilers and Canucks 
tonight at Rogers and we'll have highlights at 11. Me too. All right. Thanks so much, Barry. And we'll be right back with a look at some futuristic travel as the world's first flying bike takes off. Stay with us. We've all made small sacrifices this year, but let's remember the people who made the ultimate sacrifice in the name of our country. On November 4th, watch the No Stone Left Alone live stream on globalnews.ca. All right, well, forget about flying cars. The world's first flying bike has made its debut. Take a look. <laughs> okay, here it goes. Unveiled at a race circuit in central Japan with six propellers powered by an engine and a motor, the vehicle is said to be the world's first flying motorcycle. The 12-foot-long machine can fly up to three meters high and move at a maximum speed of nearly 100 kilometers per hour. <laughs> It can stay in the air for as long as about 40 minutes. A Tokyo company began developing the flying motorbike in 2017. The firm is taking orders for 200 units, and the price tag is $680,000 each. And a zoo in Spain welcomed two rare white lion cubs. Simba and Lyra are just five days old and are being kept in a crib inside a special room to control their feeding. According to Global White Lion Protecting Trust, the cubs are not albinos, rather they are a genetic rarity. There are less than 13 white lions in the wild. Oh, so precious. Always Very a strong cute. way to end the news. <laughs> cute, cute lion. Cub. Well, speaking of cute, we'll have little ghouls and goblins running around. Uh, one more final look at the weather. It's going to be dry for trick-or-treaters, but do bundle up. It'll be on the cold side. All right. Good advice there. Thank you so much for joining us, everybody. Jordan will be here at 11. Have a great night.